Welcome to 15 Minutes of Mental Toughness with your host, Dr. Rob Bell. Dr. Rob interviews expert coaches, executives, and athletes about mental toughness and their hinge moments. The hinge. It connects who we are with who we've become, and it only takes one. And now for your host, Dr. Rob. I think the other thing too, a hardship, you know, obviously leads to leadership and championships within a program, but you know, hardships well beyond the physical, you know, I think everybody thinks, you know, what's hard physical, but you and I both know the psychological is a lot of times the hardest thing we have to confront, you know, and then hard conversations with teammates, right? I'm in the business in college athletics of how do we, everybody uses the word culture and, and you know, it's kind of a hot buzzword, but at the end of the day, what is, what is our team you know, camaraderie and culture look like. And, and I would say working with these athletes and teaching them to also have relationships with one another that they can have the hard conversations, right? Hey, this is Dr. Rob Bell. If you want a free ebook, the best mental toughness quotes that will make you better, just text Dr. Rob Bell, that's D-R-R-O-B-B-E-L-L, to this number, 33444. You'll get a download right away. Are you one of nearly 7 in 10 Americans who doesn't feel fully rested when the alarm clock rings? Do you dread your mornings? Let's change that. Psalm Sleep is a drug-free, non-habit-forming sleep drink in a small can that can help save your nights from tossing and turning. Find out for yourself at getsom.com and stop dreading your alarm. Some sleep, it gives you Z's. So our guest is an associate director in sport performance. He's in his 10th season at the University of Tennessee. He's focused with 23 different sports throughout the years, swimming and diving, golf, soccer, rowing, and football teams at Tennessee. He's coached Olympians at more than 10 different countries, world record holders, conference, national champions, more than 100 professional athletes across nine different sports. Previously, he served as strength and conditioning coach at at Winthrop and Central Michigan, where he earned his master's degree. We're going to be talking about coaching, hinge moments, mental toughness, and give a ship, S-H-I-P. Our guest is Greg Adamson. Greg, thanks so much for taking the time, my man. Yeah, I really appreciate you having me on, and it's going to be tough to follow that introduction. That was solid. I might need to bring you to talk to our athletes a little bit and get me pumped up. <laughs> so let me start with this one, man. So five schools in five different years growing up. Yeah, no what, doubt. What's brother. that teach you? You know, it, it taught me to be a friend, right? To have friends, you got to be a friend. You know, I did uh, sixth, seventh, eighth, ninth, and tenth. And my dad was initially in the Marines and growing up, and it just kind of, I think that lifestyle and mindset kept up. You know, I always felt a little, my sister was a year behind and always kind of caught it freshman year, seventh grade year. She, she caught it a little bit better, but you know, I, one of the things that it forced me to do is learn to listen. Right. I remember eating lunch by myself, you know? And so then as you get comfortable to school, you want to make sure no one else is eating lunch by themselves um, and things like that. And, you know, how to ask the appropriate questions, how to build relationships, um, you know, and I think just, also to uh, be patient, right? You know, friendships take time, relationships take time, and, and it's not going to happen overnight. And so just learn to be comfortable, maybe at a younger age with that, 
um, was invaluable at the time though. You know, I, I would tell you, I really struggled with it. You know, I struggled with, it's a new sports team. It's a new place. It's a new, whatever it may be. And you got to kind of reinvent yourself, but looking back, you know, in coaching the dirty little secret of athletics is I get to reinvent myself every year. Right. I get to evaluate, see what I did well, what didn't go well, what worked and kind of get better at it. You know, and so I got the chance to maybe learn some of those skill sets a little earlier than other people. So, I mean, sports, obviously a big part of being able to integrate then into the new school. Um, but then you had injuries along the way as well. So like what, what you know, I mean, you you go to a new place. I mean, your identity, you're trying to you know compete, prove yourself, become part of what's going on. But then when you get hurt, like in that, and what, what was that process like for you then as, as a kid? No doubt, man. Uh, tough, tough. Uh, you know, I remember I had a bunch of knee surgeries. Um, you know, I, I like to joke, my career never even really got started. Right. Um, and I think that's what drove me to coaching is to just, and, you know, I loved athletics, love being around sports, love the camaraderie. And, you know, I tell people all the time, I think it's what's best and also what's worst of society. You get both aspects in sports. But, you know, I think at a young age, I think the difficulty is I had to really work on maybe some of these things people deal with a little bit later on. Right. Who am I? You know, am, who am I as a person? Is it bigger than sports? What does that look like? You know, how do I build a relationship or a friendship, you know, that's beyond football or, you know, my secret sport, which was tennis. Um, you know, we have these different sports we all enjoy. And so it was, uh, it was definitely pretty rough, right? I think that's where faith comes in. Um, I think I learned to really love to read, um, became a big reader. Uh, and, you know, I was reading John Wooden at 15, 16, 17, and just kind of studying. So I think some of those things really set in and, you know, I also fell in love, you know, I had a, a physical therapist help me out a lot. I remember in high school driving up to Cincinnati, it's about 45 minutes away from when I was in Northern Kentucky. And, you know, I, you know, I would miss the first block. So obviously I was putting athletics first to an extent, but, you know, he really helped me got range of motion back in my knee. And, you know, back then you didn't really have high school strength coaches, um, even PTs were a little rare. And so kind of also opened up my doors to, you know, my eyes to the different doors. You know, you talk about hinge, right? Little things that make a big difference. You know, that PT had a huge impact on me the rest of my life because it was like, wow, you know, he really changed how I view the body and the mind and how it's all, you know, connected. And so, uh, but yeah, that was tough. <laughs> no, I appreciate you sharing that, man, because I see, uh, I mean, just one more point on that. I mean, did that, how did that situation and then going through that, how did that prep you for later in life? You know, I think the biggest thing for me is I, I deal with a lot of these athletes when they get to college, uh, they're going to go through something hard, right? Um, hardship's inevitable for all of us. And so it's, you know, A, when it happens, what do you think, right? Where's your headspace at? you know, and then B, what do you do moving forward? You know? And, and so I think it, gratitude is so important. You need to find something to be thankful for every day. It's something I challenge my athletes and myself with, but I think that in a world of instant success, we, we think that, you know, this is going to like, how will we ever come back from that? And, it, and it's such a short-sighted way to really view what's going on. Um, and so I, I mean, I think that it prepared big picture 
the countless amount of conversations I've had with athletes, whether it's physical or psychological hardship that they faced, right? It might be limitations. Um, it might be, you know, that, you know, I've worked with athletes that have had just as many surgeries, right? Or, you know, you never know what's going to happen, but the beauty of it is, is you get to be there, have the conversation, listen to them, and then try and figure out how to help them be better because of what's happened, right? And that next step is what separates the good and great, right? The elite always are looking, how do I move forward and get better because of what just happened? Yeah, well said, man. Well said. I mean, it, it segues into the give a ship. So, I mean, I'm a... Uh, I'm a one-liner kind of guy. I like, you know, I like uh, gimmicks. I like hearing those things, but sometimes when I come across it, um, you know, whether it's on Instagram or Twitter or something like that, I'll always take it with like, okay, yeah, that, that, that's nice. You had this little clip. Cause again, you're not the biggest Instagram guy when it comes to promotion. I mean, you've got your head down, you, you work all the time. And, and you've kind of mentioned that, but when I came across your clip on Instagram, and you just lay out these give a ship relationships, ownership, hardship, leadership, uh, championship, discipleship. And you lay these out. And when I saw it, I was like, um, it, it was like one of those million dollar ideas that when you see them on TV, like, why didn't I ever come up with that? Because it was so beautiful the way you've laid that out. But it wasn't you could tell, though, when even when you said it, there was substance there to each one and each one meant something. It wasn't just like some kind of cliche, like puke and rally. Um, not, let, let's go through each one, man. And let's see, you know, how much we can um, unpack them and, and go through them. Um, and I'll let you start wherever it is. Is relationship? Is that the first one? Yeah. So, I mean, give a ship, you know, I, to context for anybody listening is, you know, initially it was relationships and championships, you know, I, I heard that and it stuck with me and, you know, it was, so I thought about it. Okay. There's a lot of stuff that in ships and, you know, I like to talk about set sail and the seas and my mind started, you know, really grasping at it all. And over the years, it changed a little bit. And over time I, I had someone tell me, you know, you know, you're a great coach. And I said, well, why do you say that? And they said, we just build great relationships. And, and, and so it, it's definitely something I pride myself on. And so I think that that's where it started was the relationship piece. Um, but then as I started to work with these athletes, I think there needs to be a framework of how do you improve, right? And where do I go? And so one of the things is, is I obviously we, you know, the beauty of where I'm at at the University of Tennessee is we like to bring in a lot of recruits like any SEC school. Um, and so you get to meet a lot of people, you know, every Friday, you remember being an athlete, you know, but every Friday, the Saturday before a group, you know, a football game in the fall and the campus is buzzing, you get to meet a lot of different people and a lot of elite kids and you get to have these conversations. And, and so in a short amount of time, I needed to figure out a way to kind of communicate who am I to them, right? And how do I help them be better and why should they come to Tennessee? And so, that's where it really started. And, you know, I remember telling someone, I, you know, we, we care more at Tennessee and we just really give a SHIT more. And, and so and then I'm like, ah, give a ship. And so now that's where it started. And so, you know, relationships is first. You have to have a great relationship. When I work with athletes, one of my first things to ask them is, what do you expect of me? And so I want them to put three things that they expect out of me as a coach. And, and that's new to some kids, right? They, they've never been asked that question. Um, but at the end of the day, they're my end consumer, you know, if we were to think of this in that thought process. And so I've got to make sure I'm delivering to their expectations. And I say that in the sense of music's a hot category. Should you listen to it? Should you not? 
when you work out and all that, these kids can tell me anything they want in, in those three things. And I'd say about 40% of the time, play bangers or good music or hype music is one of their top three expectations, right? So that tells me we better have a great sound system and I better be paying attention to what, you know, is going to get them hyped, right? Second is ownership. You know, obviously Jocko wrote a book, Extreme Ownership, and it became this really popular thing. And he did a great job with that. But I remember talking to athletes and asking them, is it better to own a house or rent a house? And they would tell me rent because they could get the deposit back. And so I took a step back and realized that um, they had never owned much. And so we need to really, you know, talk about what owning your performance looks like. You know, if I have a great relationship, that ownership is now a little bit on you because the program involves us. And so where's your responsibility in this? You know, I'm developing a pro, you know, something in the weight room for three to four hours a week. The coaches are doing anywhere from eight to 12. You know, that's only 20 ish hours of your overall week. We've got dietitians, ATCs, all these things. Um, but it's all predicated on the fact that you're not drinking your face off. You're getting eight to nine hours of sleep. You're off your phone at night. You're not caught up in the wrong things you know, drugs and whatever it may be. And so that there's some ownership here. You can't not like where your performance is at and blame the training that you've been doing if you haven't really taken a hard look at what was the training predicated on. And so ownership, ownership's hard. There's hardship, right? Ownership is one of the hardest things you can do. And so then you can talk about how owning a house, you got to make those payments, right? Um, so that's hardship. Can I ask I a think, question on that one, coach? Yeah, yeah. Because I mean, you're flowing, man, because it's good. Because I never... <laughs> It was kind of like you get the deposit back, right? I was like, yeah, I guess, you know, if you don't ruin the house, you know, but uh, so how, when it comes to ownership piece, like what is it that takes place? Like how, I guess, what do you see when someone really starts to own uh, all aspects of, you know, their development and where they're going? What, what is it that you see that that happens and takes place? Oh, confidence, Right. Um, I think confidence and I think responsibility, you know, are two pieces. I, I think, you know, specifically, you know, dealing with athletes from anywhere from 18 to 24 is the range that I work with, you know, at the collegiate setting. You know, it's a lot of fun to watch them start to figure it out and, and to really start to take when you talk about that ownership, but that responsibility, you know, this happened and this is what I'm going to do to not let it happen again and be better. You know, and, and start to realize that if you're playing the long game, there, there's a lot to be had and there's a lot of many lessons that you can really learn and, and not put. I, I also think the pressure comes off and that's where the confidence comes from. Right. The efficacy. You know, we had an athlete that, um, you know, in swimming, he would unlock the Olympic rings in his pre ritual. And it looked a little showmanship to people that didn't know what he was doing. Right. But what they didn't know on the backside is that 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 athlete took ownership and responsibility for his performance every single time. Right. It wasn't he didn't get out of the pool. And if it didn't go good or it didn't go the way he thought it should, it wasn't, man, we did too much yardage or, you know, whatever distance in practice or the weight room had me too sore. You know, the trainer didn't get my hip right or whatever. These things that kind of can creep up into your mind. It was I didn't execute at the highest level when I needed to. So how do I do that if I'm going to truly unlock those Olympic rings, right? And so I, I think that that's, there's some confidence to ownership. I think the difficulty with it is it takes ex excuses away, right? And and that's where you talk about the house is the bank doesn't care why you can't make the payments. They, they're, they're, there's no meeting on, you know, 
this, 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 and this happened. You got to make the payments. And so I think that that's, and that's a tough thing to really grasp, you know, and, and I'd be curious, you know, to hear some of your thoughts, but you know, my, my kids eight now and they're five and eight, but my son's eight and he's getting into youth sports. And wow, it is, it is, my eyes have been opened um, the last couple of years. He's, he's a pretty athletic kid. He's, thankfully he takes after his mom, but I mean, it's, watching parents, you know, and I don't want to say make excuses, but that's exactly what they're doing, right? That they are living and dying by every play as if at eight years old, he's playing in the Super Bowl. As And, and to me, I had a parent ask me, how come after practice, you never say anything really? To, I mean, after games, you never really say anything to your son, but after practice, I always see you guys kind of talking and going for a walk. I said, well, he's got to love to practice. I could care less about the game. He's eight. Like, <laughs> and, and so I think that that's one of those things. I'd be curious, you know, to hear some of your thoughts on what you've seen, because I've got to, as I move forward, I know I've got to get better at reaching out to some of these high school and junior high coaches out there, because this is going to be, the, we're setting some of these athletes up for what's really tough to all of a sudden have to own everything when they haven't owned anything until they got off to maybe college. Yeah. Yeah. It's a good one, man. I always tell like the, the youth parents, uh, let them pack their bag, mm. right? Let them start packing their own bag. Cause I mean, I remember I was at a, a swim practice and one of the, the kids was, was on the side and yeah, my mom didn't pack my goggles. <laughs> oh, okay. So you're not in there. Cause I remember, look, if I forget my glove, I'm not practicing. Right. And that's the worst place you want to be. There's no mom's going to be dropping this off for me. So it was like, allow them to pack their bag. Then it's like, they start to own that stuff. Cause if they go on a road trip, right. They're not forgetting their hair gel, <laughs> but you know, but they're going to forget their socks. You know what I mean? But yeah, that's the, that's the piece, man, that I see that always takes place, man. And it's like, uh, I think, you know, so much as, as parents and see, look, you got me soliloquy, man. I don't want to be doing this. This is your, this is your time. <laughs> but I just think so much. This it's like, you know, kids are the trophies and look, look how great Johnny is at this. And that's a reflection of me, you know, as a parent yeah. and like what I do. And, uh, and that's the part that I think once that starts to get into play, man, then there's a lot of different factors that come into it. And it's like, I, I just, if ever I'm talking to parents, I tell them this, I said, look, if you knew what it took to be a professional athlete, you would never, ever sign up. <laughs> you wouldn't because you're just looking at the very best. You're not, you're not looking at the, the practice squad guy. You know, you know how good he was. I mean, you're not, you're not looking at the person who's sitting the bench um, who was best, you know, in the state. And, and so that's, that's the piece that I just always try to get across to parents is that, you know, it's like, there's just so many skills that can be learned here if we allow them to learn it. Um, but yeah, man, I mean, it's, uh, it's good with, uh, I mean, let me transition, man. So like, um, well, I mean, was there any comment on that, man? I mean, I love it. I'm, I mean, it's one of those things. It's funny. I mean, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm taking notes as a, as a dad, right? Like I get to go watch these, these different practices and it's just, it's like I said, it's intriguing to me. You know, it's, it's yeah. one of those things that, you know, I, I want to know where our athletes are coming from. And, you know, I, I think that there is this, there is because sports have become so popular and it's such a great story and it's so much fun, but there is this kind of sensationalism sometimes of the wrong things. Right. Um, you know, like, you know, as well as I know at the highest level, 
you know, even in my job, everybody wants it until you got to sit there and, you know, be with some kid after they didn't perform very well, you know, or they got hurt or things didn't go the way they wanted to them or their career's over, right? Like they were good in college, but there's no professional on the table. Or you got to have the conversation with a kid two, three years of being a semi-pro and like, hey, look, like you can't really afford this like you think you can. And, and those type of conversations, th- those aren't fun, right? Like that's when coaching can be tough and there's ownership in that aspect for us. But yeah, man, I I love how you, you said that because I, I think, you know, pack your own bag. I mean, I think that that's one of those things, you know, that seems so small, but can be so big long term, you know, as kids get and move on. And so, yeah, but so into, uh, I'm going to transition, man, because you just brought up a point, right? I will have a lot of people that ask, hey, Rob, what do you say to somebody, right? Like, what, what do you say? And um, so let's put it in context. Like, what do you say to somebody who, I mean, they failed, right? It was it was failure. And I don't always say like, you know, there's no failure. There's only feedback sort of cliche. Look, there's both, right? I mean, you call it what it is. You can call it anything you want, man. But it's, I believe it's not about the setback. It is about the comeback, but it's a failure. You failed. So people ask, well, what do you say? And I always come back and say, what would you say? Because it's the most, it's the hardest part um, when you know that they've done in the work, you know, it's been there, but it just didn't happen. You know what I mean? And it's like, so I'll, I'll, I'll switch it on you. What's in those conversations that you've had with an athlete that, um, you know, they had a major setback. It was supposed to happen. It didn't happen. And they failed. What is it? What's that conversation with that athlete kind of look like? Yeah. I mean, that, that falls right in line with hardship. I mean, I think it falls in line with a, you got to kind of let them discuss it. Right. Yeah. I, I think earlier in my career, I was too quick and maybe this is where marriage helps. Right. But you know, I want to solve problems, right? I, I've got quotes up on there are no problems, only solutions in my office, you know? Um, but you're not going to solve it right there, right? So I think, listen, and we, we are in a society where people don't listen very well anymore, right? They, they receive information, but they don't really listen to information. There's a difference, you know? And so, I mean, I think, listen, and then I think, figure out where their motivational level is to move forward, you know, and, and how willing are they or are they at a place where changes are going to happen, right? I, I think that that's an important part that doesn't always get discussed because I think there's always this assumption that they're going to come right back. Um, but sometimes it, it takes some time. You know, I, I had a chance to spend some time with an NFL scout. It was like, you know, he's, he's an older guy. His name's Bill. And I asked him, you know, he was an NFL scout for over 35 years. I said, what are we not doing well anymore? You know, mm-hmm. and he goes, we don't give them enough time to miss it. I said, what do you mean? He said, there's always something next. He said, there's, you know, whatever, whatever age they're at. He's like, there's, there's kids that are playing tackle football at age nine in the fall and spring. Right. And there, it's just always something next There's spring ball, winter ball, summer ball camp and all these things. And he said, back in the day, you actually gave them time to miss it. Right. And once they started to miss it, they started to kind of come back and get excited, you know? And so I think it's funny. I, I don't know if it's going to work or not, but it's interesting with our swim program this year where we're, we've got some built in off weekends and it's a little wild. It's, it's a little, uh, counterculture. We'll see how it goes, you know, but every fourth or fifth weekend, we're giving the weekend off and in a world of volume that that that's a crazy thing to do, you know, but 
I think we saw it with some of our kids that actually went to the Olympics and where they were at, that we've got to be comfortable with that. But really, if we were to rewind the clock 15, 20 years ago, I mean, we would love for our kids to take the weekend off and go hike together and explore Knoxville or whatever they're at. Right. And so I, I do think that that's part of that conversation is, you know, and seeing where they're at and, you know, like, I love it. You got it right behind me, puke and rally. Right. But as you make that comeback in that rally point, it's kind of figuring out where do they need to rally? Right. And, and how can I help them with that as a coach? And for some kids, it's physical. Some kids it's, you know, psychological and they need to go see somebody. Right. And get some, you know, work, work on that mental side. Um, you know, and I think it just depends on the individual. And so, um, you know, some conversations are easier than others. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's well said, man. So elaborate on it. And I guess on that part too, man, like what I've seen is that people don't necessarily want an answer. They want an acknowledgement. They want, like you said, right. That they've been heard and allowing them to process that information because as coaches, we can't take away the pain. Like we want to do it right. Even as a parent, like, I don't, I don't want to see my kid in pain. We want to take it away. But I think if we take, if we try to take it away, it kind of limits that whole experience that they've gone through. And that's what I've seen, man, is acknowledging it, seeing like where they're at um, because there is a bottom line of, and that's why I think we love the, uh, there's no ambiguity. You, you made the time or you didn't, right? You made the shot or you didn't, but now what? Right now, what's that process kind of look like? Hey there, good looking. If you're digging this podcast and check out our book, Puke and Rally, it's not about the setback, it's about the comeback. Just go to pukeandrallybook.com. Now back to the show. I love it. Talk about the hardship, man. Yeah, I mean, you know, so I mean, I think... I think the other thing too, a hardship, you know, obviously leads to leadership and championships within a program, but, you know, hardships well beyond the physical, you know, I think everybody thinks, you know, what's hard physical, but you and I both know the psychological is a lot of times the hardest thing we have to confront, you know, and then hard conversations with teammates, right? I'm in the business in college athletics of how do we, everybody uses the word culture and, and you know, it's kind of a hot buzzword, but at the end of the day, what is, what is our team you know, camaraderie and culture look like. And, and I would say working with these athletes and teaching them to also have relationships with one another, that they can have the hard conversations. Right. And what I mean by that is, is I don't need you to get on a kid because for the first time all semester after being on time, 21 times, he's two minutes late. Right. Obviously that's not our standard and we need to have a conversation, but what's hardship is, is where are you at when a kid that's underage shouldn't be drinking? Are you having that conversation? Right. And what do you represent? Are we men of integrity or are we men that um, shy away? Right. And, and, and so that's where I think hardship can be really challenging for this generation in the sense of the conversation. I don't need you to text it. There's a right way to do it. You just kind of talk to them. You have that conversation and some of this stuff should never even get in front of coaches, you know, and that doesn't maybe get discussed enough of, how difficult it is to, it's, it's a huge time investment, right? With the men and women with that you work with to really be there to where they can then go have those hard conversations with one another, because that's going to carry, you know, so much more in my mind impact sometimes coming from the junior or senior on the team, as opposed to um, the coach, right? Or the coaches. And so I think that that's really important is how do we, 
display it, right? Because more is caught than taught. Um, the kids, the kids know if it's who you are, but it's also one of those things that I get excited because that hardship leads to leadership. And that's what leaders do, right? I mean, obviously Tim Tebow was famous for his rallying cry, you know, in his speech, but anyone that's ever talked about him in college, like, and I've met a ton of different people, but it's exactly who he was. Right. And so he, he was that leader and he had those hard conversations. And so it's the same thing, you know, here with our men and women is, are they willing to do that? And that's what leadership looks like. The difficulty with hardship and leadership, I don't know if you've seen, but I see is a lot of these kids call them, they call themselves leaders um, for the wrong things, you know, and it might upset some people, but I've seen kids with great charisma. I've seen kids with great grades, all these things are checking boxes and they do really good, but the team doesn't really pay attention to them because behind closed doors, it's not really who they are, right? They don't challenge someone to be a better version of themselves. And that's where for our athletes, it's tough. They don't realize how hard coaching is because that's, it can be draining, right? Like you don't want to wake up and be like, man, I got to go have this really difficult conversation with so-and-so about something, right? Or something happens in a workout, you know, and that's not fun. And, and so it's, that's, that's what true hardship and leadership looks like. And when you start doing those things, obviously you get the championships, um, but that, you know, the, the championship aspect is kind of the end result of all these other things that lead, lead to it. Right. Um, and so, you know, it's, it's, it's one of those things for me, I'm always looking for ways to develop as a communicator and be better with, you know, relaying. And I love what you said about how you kind of put the listen and acknowledgement. I mean, you've got me thinking, how can I do a better job of that as a coach at times? Yeah. Well, give us some, um, well, no, let me ask you a different question, man. So like on a college level, one thing I've seen is, and I don't know if it holds true. I'm not into absolutes, right? Cause I think if it's, if it's all or nothing, it's really not right. It's always somewhere in the middle when it comes to gray. So with that, um, I think a lot of times when people get to the collegiate level, they get better or they get worse, rarely stay the same. Um, but again, it's an absolute, it's not always true, but what have you seen with those athletes that, uh, have been there a couple of years and, you know, have the ownership, they, they, they keep progressing and keep getting better as opposed to those who, uh, start looking forward looking for the way out and they're just getting by going through the motion sort of thing. What do you think is that separator between those? Hmm. I mean, I think for me, one learns to be thankful for difficult times because that's where you grow. The other misses the gratitude, right? And, and the tough part is, um, you know, if you've got that type of gratitude, you're going to kind of reflect on what's happening um, but to your point, I mean, the transfer rule, right? Like from when you were in college, it's changed a lot. You know, you can leave, you can leave in conference and play right away. It's the craziest, you know, it's the wild, wild west in that sense. And so um, what I worry sometimes is, you know, there used to be this thought process of you come in as a freshman, you work really hard, you know, unless you're just a bona fide freak, you know, and I, I tell people, if you got to ask if you're a freak, you're not. Right. Like the freaks don't wake up and ask that. Um, and so there you would just chip away. Right. And, and every year get a little bit better. And, and we talk about it one to two percent improvement and all these things. And, you know, but now 
if you don't like your situation or you feel like it got real hard or you thought that they were being too honest with you, you just go get re-recruited, right? And I think what happens is, and I worry about this for some athletes, is they fall in love with the recruiting process rather than the training process, right? They make their decision based on who calls them the most, who loves them the most, who gives them the most shout outs, you know, and that stuff's all important. Don't get me wrong, but not, man, who's going to train me at the highest level? Who, who's going to challenge me to be a better version every single day? Because that's the type of coach or program I want to be a part of because that takes a lot of energy, right? And so, um, but yeah, I, I, I'll tell you this. I think the sophomore year is the most difficult year the way the college system set up at this point, because it's so easy to transfer and put your name in the portal that rather than, you know, and everyone hears the sophomore slump, you know, your freshman year is a lot of fun to an extent too, because you just get to see a lot of competitive makeup without having to maybe really think about what just happened. The sophomore years where you start to, the mental side really starts to take its toll. Um, but man, you know, I, 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 if you can stick with it, it's such an advantage to be a 22 year old that's been through all that, you know, or 23, you know, cause we've got a lot of COVID athletes. And so, you know, it's, uh, you know, I, I think that gratitude's difficult for some to grasp. Um, but at the same time too, you know, it's, are you going to play the long game? You know, are, are you working on being elite for your life or are you just trying to be elite for the day? Right. And so that's, that's another conversation you got to answer. Yeah. It's well said, man. What do you think is the big separator from, you know, those that really uh, that stick it out and that excel and that get the most out of their talent and ability and those that don't? What do you think the separator is? I mean, it's going to come down to mindset, mm -hmm. right? I mean, I mean, at the end of the day, it's just you got to have efficacy, right? And, and that confidence and that belief, you know, um, it's funny. I've got a wall in my office of national champions that sign it or program record centers, just seniors, you know? So it's like not even conference championships and it's supposed to be special. Cause like we just talked about you either won or you didn't. Right. It's like, can I sign the wall? No, I'll sign this photo, but you didn't win a national champion as an individual or your team wasn't, you weren't a senior on a program record setting team, but Erica Brown's an athlete I got to work with and she's this phenomenal swimmer, but she was 76 in 2016 and I made the Olympics, got a couple medals, silver and a bronze this past cycle. And that's a big jump. But I remember asking her, you know, she said, believe in belief. And she almost wrote it wrong on my board, right? Like she's that not by any means going to be the next Newt Rockney and rally the people, but one of my favorite athletes to ever coach. And, uh, mm -hmm. But I think at the end of the day, you know, Coach Webb's our head men's golf coach talks about belief, right? I think belief is a separator because when you believe that you can get better and you will get better, you stick with it. Right. Um, that rally, that rally happens. Right. You, you figure it out and you just keep going. Um, but when you don't have the efficacy and the belief instilled, it's, it's really difficult. And then also, where's your self-worth? What's it based on? Right. If your self-worth is based on the amount of Instagram followers or Snapchat or amount of, you know, trophies and records that you've done, and it's not based on who am I when things get tough or what's the process look like or you know, how do I handle hardship? Am I a leader? You know, I, I think that that's it. You know, I, I got on an athlete the other day. I challenged them. They were struggling. I said, who have you been taking along with you? You haven't taken anybody along with you. 
I'm challenging you to bring someone with you and that'll help you relax, believe it or not, because now you're focused on someone else. Right. And so all those things matter, but at the end of the day, belief is so important. Yeah. And I, I, what I don't know is how do you assess belief in like a recruiting process, right? If you could figure that out, you'd have, I think one of the most popular uh, businesses out there for college coaches across all sports, right? Because most coaches would tell you when there's that, when that deep set of belief is there, right? And you talk, we talked a little bit about Griffin and, you know, he's a freshman for those listening on our men's swim team that has worked with you and he's phenomenal and amazing young man, but that kid's got belief, right? He's got advocacy, you know? And so he's going to get better. I, I have zero doubt. And, and so how cool is that? You know? Mm-hmm. So, you know, we get into, then you talk about the one ship, right? Discipleship. And I know one of, uh, one of your favorite verses, I mean, is, is Psalm 37. How do you incorporate that into, um, well, Psalm 37 for four, yeah. but how do you, how do you, how do you incorporate that into your, uh, your profession? No doubt. I mean, so Psalm 37, four, delight yourself in the Lord will give you the desires of your heart. Um, when I was in high school, Sean Alexander wore 37, played for the Seahawks. His brother played on the rival team. He came and spoke to the county and kind of hit me, you know, and he talked about him as a freshman in Alabama and it always stuck with me. And, you know, and so I think for me, it's the same thing. When you delight yourself in the Lord, your desires change. Right. And so it's the same thing with bringing someone along with you is when you talk about discipleship, when it's, delighting yourself in the Lord. And it's no longer about you. Your desires kind of have to be brought to the fire and figured out what are they and why do you have them? And and so, I mean, you know, I I think for me, it's one of those things as a father and as a husband before a coach, am I living that at home? Right. Am I doing those things? And, and if I am, is that showing and rubbing off on my athletes, right. Within my coaching. And so, I mean, I think it's one of those things that, you know, I, I think faith, we talked about belief, but faith is part of it, right? And so when you talk about discipleship is, you know, who are you bringing along, you know, and, and, and that's exciting. You know, I, I think that at the same time, there's people that have brought me along and I'll be forever grateful for all the time that they poured into me and invested into me and, and kind of changed, you know, basically where I ended up, right? And so I think that that's so important, but yeah, I mean, when you when you have faith and belief, and those desires are going to be fixated on something different, and so I think it's exciting. Mm-hmm. The part that I've seen with athletes that have faith is that foundation is set, and what I mean is, is and again with faith, right? I mean, there's so many different facets to it, but let's say just belief in that. Um, well. I can just say like the belief in the higher power that there's a purpose greater than yourself encompasses a lot, but those that have that, that foundation seems to be there where um, they're not so, and not saying that results don't impact them, but they do impact them. But it seems like, you know, with that foundation is there that they're not living and dying off of everything performance because an athlete that lives and dies off every performance Um, I mean, they are going to struggle because they're not always going to win. There's going to be a lot of setbacks, but the the foundation isn't there, man. Have you seen it with athletes that, that have that foundation of faith? Um, Do you see that their approach or how they handle difficulties is different? Oh, without question. You know I mean? And I think that faith in a higher power, I mean, it, it, there's, there's, it's almost a, I would say calming, 
right? Presence, you know, and it's one of those things that for them and they can take a step back and really look at the big picture because they see themselves as part of a bigger story, right? And so their story isn't living and dying by, you know, exactly what's happening in front of them, you know, and it's, it's funny to me. I, I love the new Testament and I love reading it. And if you really read it, it's kind of crazy, right? You know, I, me and my wife are working through the game of Thrones for the first time. Like we're not even done with it. And I know I'm about 10 years behind, but that's the life of a coach and a dad, right? I, I move at a pretty snail's pace. Um, but the Bible and game of Thrones aren't far off. If you were to really look at it, right. If we were to really act out the new Testament, it's pretty wild when you look at Paul's life and a lot of what happened. And, um, but people of faith or anyone that believes in, you know, something of a higher power, you see this ability to have more confidence because they're not caught up in the immediate results. They're going to play the long game. Right. And, and so I think it's the same with athletes. And like you said, they're not going to go up and down based on every performance, because if your self-worth is based on the daily performance, man, like that's going to be really difficult to take ownership of, right? Because it's not a big enough picture. Uh, and it's going to be really easy to make excuses. And at the same time too, you're going to probably feel too good at times when you shouldn't, right? So it's going to shield maybe some things that you need to work on. You know, I, that's why I love swimming, right? They put on fast suits and they go fast. But if you do that all the time, you, you don't really have to fix some of the things that maybe need to be fixed, right? And so um, there's a lot more to be taken. And, and sometimes you got to take your lumps before you do that. And, and when you have faith, you know, and so it's faith in your training, right? It's the same as faith in, in God or whatever that higher power is for whoever it may be. But you know, there's, there's a lot of confidence in knowing that someone's come before you and that they're there for you. You know, my kids, I talk about breath work, but you know, I, I challenge my son every day to be strong and courageous and my daughter too. Um, but they find their breathing and they know Jesus is always with them. Right. And so for me, like you said, you know, you see your son's or daughter's playing time or whatever, and it's meeting school or it could be good or bad, or they miss a play. Um, you want to fix it for them as a dad initially, but then at the same time, you know, what's best is, can they find their breath work? Were they strong, and courageous in the moment? Did they enjoy the time with their friends? Did they improve? Right. Like, can you start answering all those questions? And man, it's, it's a lot, there's a lot of humility in that for us to take because it humbles us, but it's also cool. Right. And so, but yeah, I, I don't know how people can do it without faith. Right. Like even myself as a coach, you don't do every, you, you make a lot of mistakes. You know I mean? Three, four weeks ago, I had a session that, man, it was horrific. I didn't like how it went. I didn't like how it flowed. I was really hard on probably myself, um, you know, but at the same time, my wife's like, well, you know, did you, did you prepare? Yeah. Did you put everything you had? Yeah. You know, and so it's, you got to go through those same questions as a coach and what's your belief look like. And it's like, well, you know, <laughs> I went out there and did everything I could with the pure heart. So let's roll, you know? Right will be better, but at the same time, you can't sit there and beat yourself up. And so it's, uh, it's well said, man. You know, I haven't even got the game of Thrones yet. I mean, I, <laughs> I, I can't, I can't do that stuff because being an all or nothing guy, right. If I start to watch it, I'm going to stay and watch it, man. You know, and that's, uh, you know, in terms of this, like what have you seen, the biggest change be, and I guess because it's not like okay, we can say athletes today are different, 
Um, but we're all different. I mean, we're not the same as what we were in you know, 2011, even like collectively like, as a society. So when I'm saying this, it's kind of, you know, incorporating everything. But what have you seen that's changed in terms of um, athletes and, you know, your process about, you know, how you help them get better? Yeah, I mean, I think first a couple of years ago, I had an athlete, you know, I, I, this is when Twitter was cooler than Instagram. Right. You know, I gave them a little heart and uh, they're like, oh, coach, I didn't know you cared about me. I was like, what do you mean? I coach you hard every day. I put a lot of time into your development. But yeah, you like my tweet. And I was like, wow. You know, so I think first is just the, the gratification that social media brings to this generation. It's different, right? I, I thought that by me just <laughs> coaching <laughs> and being really present in the coaching that they knew that that meant I cared. And so I realized I had to be a little more up to date on what's going on in the social media world, maybe not overdo it, but also make sure to pay attention because that's where a lot of their self-worth was found. And um, so I, I definitely think social media is part of this new generation's worth, right? And how they see themselves. Whether or not it's right or wrong, it's here to stay for now. You know, and so I think just being able to entertain that and then I think explain the why. It's Generation I, why, you know, and, and, and I, there was a time as a coach, you were the one that delivered the information that they didn't know, right? Now you're the one that deciphers the information that they need to know, you know, and so earning the credibility and trust to kind of be who they want to go to um, when they want to be better at something, you know, obviously in my field, it's uh, um, athletic performance and and so a lot of it has to do with training and training methodology and all these different things. But, you know, you're, you're kind of the one deciphering it, you know, whereas in the past you were the one delivering it. They can go look it all up. And so, I mean, I think that that's kind of one of the big things that, you know, just trying to decipher, you know, your information decipher, so to speak. I don't even know if that's proper grammar. I've been in Tennessee for a while now, so I guess it's okay. But um, that's the biggest change for me is, my first, my first year of coaching was 2008 Central Michigan, 2006 for high school for two years. But 2008, I was a GA and man, I don't remember a single kid asking why we squatted, why we went to the depths, why, I, I don't remember why even happening, you know, they just kind of like did the program. <laughs> I don't go a day without someone asking me why about something, you oh, know, no, now. No, yeah. And so that that's a big difference in a, in a short amount of time. You know, when you really look at it, you know, it's not that long ago. Um, I remember being at Winthrop running my women's basketball team outside in between in season and looking now, it probably wasn't the smartest thing. You know, I like to joke. I don't even know if I could spell periodization at that point in my career. Um, we were tough, right? However you want to define that. Um, but no one asked why they just put on their hoodies and went out and ran, right? Like now, if I were to go do that or you were to do that, Man, you better have like, nine, I call it 90 seconds of why for 90 seconds, I'll explain things, but you better take your time and really explain it and make sure it makes sense or they're going to be like, I'm not doing that. <laughs> and so you're just, it's, it's a different world, right? In that sense, you got to earn that. Obviously you got to give a shit, but you got to earn that. You got to have that relationship and earn that trust. Um, because also back then you and I both know you couldn't leave. You know, you didn't just transfer. You didn't just bounce. You just didn't. Now, they, they, they may not like it. They may leave, right? <laughs> and so it's, it's just a, that whole thought process. Hopefully, I laid it out kind of, you know, with a little bit of 
there's a method to it, but yeah, I, I think social media and then just obviously generation IY, but ex- explanation and deciphering what they need to know. Yeah. No, it's classic, man. I mean, I think you really explained that well with, um, can you answer this one, man? Like, do you, as a coach, like, do you hate to lose or do you love to win more? Like which one has a more impact on you? Man, I hate to lose. <laughs> I hate to lose. You know, I, I think everybody's got a different answer to that. I love that question. But for me personally, I mean, I can tell you when I've lost in cornhole, spike ball, foosball, it don't matter. I don't like to lose and never, you know, I, I don't think there anybody's a good loser, you know. I've always thought we should do a better job with the handshakes pregame and worry a little bit less about them postgame, but that's because I hate to lose. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's good, man. <laughs> I'm not saying it's right or wrong. It's just right. me well, personally. That's why, that's why I always ask yeah, you, Coach. You know, I, uh, you know, I, I think everybody loves winning, um, you know, but it's one of those things as a coach, I love to watch kids celebrate. I hate to know that they don't get that celebration when we don't win. This is even tougher, I think, as a coach, mm-hmm. um, because I know how exciting that that can be, right? And they don't even know sometimes how much fun winning is if they've never really been a part of it, right? right. They've never seen it. And so you kind of want it for them sometimes, maybe more than they do, because once again, in coaching, we get to redo it, right? Like that unfair fair, we get to redo it the next year. And sometimes we can go get better players to redo it with, Right. But that doesn't mean you necessarily win or lose. I, I've been around both. I've been talented and not one and been less talented in one. But it's one of those things that, yeah, uh, I'm, 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 I don't think I'll ever be a good loser. <laughs> Coach, what what question should I be asking you that, that I'm just not asking? Oh, wow. Have I gotten better at golf, right? You know, I've been working with your alma mater the last three years. No, I'm just kidding. Where, where, uh, where's your index now, man? Oh, it's, it's, I'm still not good, right? Better at training golfers, though, you know? For um, sure. You know, and Priorities. so, it's, yeah, it's been a lot of fun, you know, it's one of those things, but no, you've been crushing it. You know, I, I, I think I've been taking, like, I've taken a lot of mental notes. I'm going to go back and listen to this because it's for me. You know, I think you, you, the age that your kids are at and then what's cool about the work that you get to do is you kind of get this wide variety, right? Anywhere from eight to 80, you know, 80 is probably a little old, but never too old, right? Um, whereas I get kind of locked in on four to five years, you know? And so it's one of those things is, um, you know, I'm in a, like big picture long-term, I'm interested in the resources of as these kids are coming through high school, what do the messages look like? You know, because I, I don't always know. Right. And then unfortunately, anytime I get a chance to talk to coaches, their, their questions all evolve around trading methodology and what should we be preparing them for and this and that. And, you know, it's so situational that it's tough to give a direct answer, but I'm curious on, you know, like you said, bring your own bag. You know, I'm interested in what do those messages look like across youth sports anymore? You know, or, or, you know, can the kids pack their own bag? Can they carry their own helmet? Can they have their own, you know, whatever it is, you know, clubs or rackets or whatever they need. And so that's intriguing to me. Yeah. So why don't you end it for us, coach? End us on this, uh, 
on this podcast? What what message uh, that's on your heart, man, that uh, they can share? Man, I think uh, for anybody listening, pay attention to those hinge moments, right? You know, I think that, you know, little things lead to big things. And, and in a society where we see the big, we see it on display all the time and we sensationalize it, we forget about that hinge, right? And I mean, I really love that you wrote that not, you know, I would say not too long ago, but it's kind of, we're, we're both getting a little older, man, um, you know, a while back. But I mean, I think that that's huge, you know, for me, obviously a hinge moment was realizing that what I did well and what I bring to the table, I need to bring is build great relationships. So as a coach, not to get caught up in trying to be the smartest guy in the room, um, not trying to be the best athlete in the room or all these things, but be the guy that has the best relationships with his kids. Cause that's what I did well. Right. And then where does that lead? You know? And so I think to anybody out there listening, figure out what you do well and then actually bring it to the table and do it well every day, right. At a, at a low level. And then the big things will come, right. The right things will open up. Was there a specific hinge moment that led to that that you can share? Oof. You know, I, I think for me, I got a little frustrated on hearing all the leadership stuff, right? And so that led me to be thinking about how how can I share a little bit more of what I do and who I am with others? And so to, to answer that, you know, everyone knows the line, you know, that they've heard the lines don't lose sleep over the opinions of the sheep. And I remember thinking, that's so false. Everybody loses sleep at some point in their life over someone else's opinion. So to say that, and then I'm, I remember thinking like lions don't even live where sheep are. I don't even think lions eat sheep, you know, right. like, like, what is this? Like, what, what are we telling kids? Right? Like I got grown, I got people that think they're grown men telling me I don't lose sleep over the opinions of the sheep as if they're a lion, right? Like a lion's not asking if it's a lion first off, second off, like we don't know if lions lose sleep. I mean, I, I think they sleep all the time. So they're losing sleep somewhere. I've been in the zoo with my kid. I, do a lot and they're always sleeping right? always sleeping yeah so like what are we talking about they ain't you know, always like, running they yeah sleeping. yeah you know so i mean i just you know i think that for me the moment was kind of you know i personally the give a ship and just the thought process is i got to do a better job maybe sharing some of the things that i do with the with the world um and get it out there just because you know, I, I, I love coaching, right? But that doesn't mean I shouldn't. And I'll grow from every time you tell your story and you get an opportunity, like I really appreciate you having me is you get better at it, right? And so that, that's kind of kind of my hinge moment, so to speak, is just kind of getting burnt out on a lot of the leadership jargon that we say, but we don't really reflect on. And there's no context to, right? And, and, and so I love a lot of the things that you've done. There's context behind it, you know? And so that, that I don't think that's necessarily a moment of just more of a frustration of, you know, I want the young men and women I work with to, when they call themselves a leader, had to have done a lot of different things to kind of earn that title, so to speak. And it's not for everyone. And it, and it shouldn't be, you know, and, and some of the best leaders we've had in our programs, I also realized weren't the ones always winning the cool awards, you know, they weren't the, the charismatic kid that could go woo some type of board or something. Right. But they were the ones that were having the hard conversations that the coaches didn't need to have. And there needs to be a pathway to make sure we highlight those kids um, because the, they're the ones that are, you know, I look at it, you know, uh, two of my last three swim captains are Rangers. One's an officer, one's enlisted. Right. 
Those are the men I want protecting this country. Those are the leaders. Well, they were probably the Thornton Center, our, our academic counselors' worst nightmare at times, right? Because they, they, they didn't grasp school, and that's a conversation to be had. But our society has gotten so caught up in the 4 0 or the top, whatever, we, we don't get caught up in what it takes to be there, right? Or we don't give anybody a grade for being a good communicator or being a good listener, or being a good teammate. And so there's, there's some mis. We, so yeah, I think that's my moment on like, how do I counter challenge society to think of what it really looks like, you know, to uh, not just say it right. The last, like the other one is the servant based leadership. And I've done some stuff on that, but that gets frustrating because it's like define it. They can't, I'm a servant based leader. What do you mean? Um, how can you always serve if you're a leader? You're going to have to challenge at some point. You can tie their shoes for them their whole life. Like, Mm-hmm. <laughs> serve them by challenging them, but define what that means, you know? So I think that my moment is just, I want athletes to, I don't want athletes to think that that's who they have to be with this false bravado. And it's okay to have some humility and have been through some hard stuff. Coach, I'm going to put the, uh, that link on there um, about, you know, to the, just the Instagram profile, if that's okay, just to the give a shot. We love it. Yeah, man. And uh, man, I really appreciate you taking time. I'm glad we got to connect here, buddy. No doubt, man. I appreciate it. And thank you so much, man. Thank you for listening to the Mental Toughness Podcast. If you like what you heard today, please be sure to subscribe to our podcast. You can also check us out on Twitter at Dr. Rob Bell or visit our website at drrobbell.com.